Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Roller Coaster Edition, as we take an in-depth look back at the first game of the Zach Taylor era, a wild roller coaster ride with extreme peaks and valleys that ultimately ended with a one-point loss in Seattle. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from the game, locker room comments from players and coaches, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, it's a rare one-on-one chat with Bengals president Mike Brown. Mike doesn't do many interviews, but once or twice a year, he's kind enough to sit down and share stories from his amazing life in football. I always get great feedback from listeners when we record a trip down memory lane and I think you'll enjoy our latest conversation. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest invention since Touch ID. Touch ID is the fingerprint recognition system that allows users to unlock Apple devices like iPhones and make purchases on the iTunes store. So rather than having to type in a password, you just use your fingerprint. So if you're paranoid about having your password stolen or just lazy and like to turn things on with a touch of your fingertip, Touch ID is a great invention. Let's get to football. From the day Zach Taylor was hired, Bengals fans have been frothing at the mouth over what his offense might mean for Joe Mixon. After all, the Rams' Todd Gurley averaged nearly 2,000 total yards and 20 touchdowns in the two seasons that Zach was on the L.A. coaching staff. But on Sunday in Seattle, Mixon barely got the ball before leaving the game with a twisted ankle in the third quarter. Cincinnati's first seven plays of the season were passes, and Andy Dalton threw the ball 16 times in the first quarter. Tyler Eifert says Seattle's defense forced them to. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you look at what they were doing, they were, you know, doing things to take away the run. So, um, you know, you you end up passing the ball, and we we did it um, effectively. So, we were just playing off what they were doing, so. That's what the the game dictated. By and large, it worked, at least until the red zone. The Bengals' second drive of the game lasted 13 plays in seven and a half minutes, but stalled after reaching the 16-yard line. It'll be a 39-yard attempt from the left hash mark for Randy Bullock. Clark Harris will snap. Kevin Huber will hold. The snap, the put down, the swing of the right leg, and Bullock's kick is good. The Bengals took a 3-0 lead into the second quarter, and in the first half, their defense gave Russell Wilson fits with a variety of looks, including five defensive linemen. Shod Penny in at running back for Seattle. Wilson fakes to him, being chased by Sam Hubbard. Nice. Russell Wilson nice. sacked nice. way back at the 41-yard line. Second sack for the Bengals. Carlos Dunlap had the first. Sam Hubbard with the second for a nine-yard loss. Boy, he was outstanding. Cincinnati's run defense was as impressive as the pass rush. Seattle averaged an NFL-best 160 yards on the ground last year, but only mustered 72 in week one. Here's Hubbard. Yeah, we wanted to stop the run, and defensively we are really stout and stopped the run. Made them kind of one-dimensional. Uh, number one rushing attack in the NFL under, 
under however many yards we held them to. Uh, I think it was just great execution, but you know it comes down to a few plays, and that's that's how it is in the NFL. The Bengals' first big mistake came on special teams, a fumbled punt by Alex Erickson that gave Seattle the ball in Bengals' territory. It didn't immediately lead to a score, but it helped flip field position, and the Seahawks soon took the lead. Wilson in the shotgun at the six. Hands it off to Carson. Touchdown, Seahawks. The extra point gave Seattle a 7-3 lead. It lasted all of three plays. The Bengals have it first and 10 at the Seattle 33-yard line. Leaf they left. hand it to Bernard. He pitches it back to yeah. Dalton. Guns it down the far sideline. Caught by John Ooh. Ross. Breaks a tackle at the five and scores a Bengals touchdown. A 33-yard flea flicker touchdown to John Ross. How about that? John Ross finished with seven catches for 158 yards. His previous career highs had been three catches and 52 yards. Tyler Eifert says it was only a matter of time. It wasn't surprising, you know, to the guys in the locker room because we watch him every day. Um, just the way he runs, he's extremely talented. Like, he, I mean, you can't even really describe it. So it, it was just a matter of time before he put it all together. And he did today, and he needs to continue to do that for us to, uh, to play well. The Bengals had a 10-7 lead, and their defense was dominating. With 144 left in the half, Seattle had not had a 20-yard play. But that changed when Russell Wilson hit rookie D.K. Metcalf for 42 yards down to the Bengals' 13-yard line. Metcalf is the genetic freak whose shirtless photo before the draft went viral. As somebody put it, his abs have abs. A few plays after his catch, Seattle was back in front. 59 seconds left in the half. Third down and seven at the Bengals' 10-yard line for the Seahawks. Looking for a go-ahead score. Two receivers to each side of the formation. Wilson drops back to throw. Checks it down to a running back, Carson, and he breaks several tackles and runs it to the pylon. It's a Seattle touchdown. Drake Kirkpatrick and Jesse Bates were in position to stop Carson short of a first down, but they failed, and Seattle led 14-10 with 52 seconds left in the half. The Bengals elected to be aggressive on offense and at least try to get a field goal. Not exactly a Marvin-esque approach. With 20 seconds left in the half, John Ross dropped a pass that easily would have put them in field goal range. In fact, it might have gone for a long score since two defenders ran into each other and toppled like bowling pins. But on the very next play, Ross made up for his drop. 16 seconds left in the half. The Bengals still need at least 20 yards. Dalton back to throw under pressure. He's going to fling it deep downfield. It is caught nice. at the 10 by yeah. Ross. Touchdown! Yeah. Bengals Answer. as John Ross Answer. reached up, made a two-handed grab, and ran it in for a 55-yard touchdown with seven seconds left in the half. And he said, here's how I'm going to answer. I'm going to drop the easy one, and I'm going to make a great play on a ball where the def defender's in pretty good shape. I'm going to make a, a nice leaping catch and then make the last guy miss. It gave the Bengals a 17-14 halftime lead, and it gave Ross the breakout performance that he and we have been waiting for. Is this coaching staff having confidence in you, giving you more confidence in yourself? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, I think that's what 
a lot of players uh, lack sometimes, you know, um, and I didn't, I think they, like me, I can honestly say now, I, I lost confidence in myself last two years, and, you know, now I come in with a different mentality, um, and, you know, I just kind of go out there and continue to believe in myself. Had, you, had this been last year and you dropped that pass, would you have found the bench instead of being in there to catch a touchdown pass in the next play? Most definitely, honestly. I mean, I can honestly say that now. Um, you know, without a doubt, you guys seen it. You know, I could, you could just tell I could run my routes different when I lose confidence in myself. Um, you know, it, it's just, it was just, it's, it's completely different now, in my opinion. After a big play on offense to end the first half, the Bengals made a big play on defense to begin the second. Seattle begins first and 10, ball on the left hash at the 25-yard line. Russell Wilson with a fake handoff, now passes to the running back that he faked to. That's Carson, and Carson drags bodies forward. The ball comes out. out. The Bengals appear to have it. Trey Kirkpatrick has the football. And, yes, it's a Cincinnati recovery at the 28-yard line. Huge play right there. It was the Bengals' only takeaway of the day, and they quickly drove to the Seattle 12. We've got some light rain falling now here in Seattle with 13.35 left in the third quarter. Second down and 12 as Samaje Pirine checks in. Dalton had the ball slip out of his hand, trying to throw a screen, and it's intercepted by defensive tackle Al Woods. I don't know if this light rain had anything to do with it, but the Bengals turn it over in the red zone. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That was ruled a fumble, not an interception. And it was the first of three straight drives in the third quarter where the Bengals could have scored and didn't. On their next drive, Randy Bullock missed a 45-yard field goal. And on the drive after that, the Bengals went for it on fourth and one in Seattle territory and got stuffed on a running play. They were piling up yards, but not points. Here's Tyler Eifert. Throughout the game, you know, I felt like we were we were doing a lot of really good things, but you know, when the when the game's over, it's not how many yards you, you gained, it's uh, how many points are on the board. The Bengals led 17-14 going to the final quarter. To that point, Russell Wilson had not thrown a single pass to his top target, Tyler Lockett. That changed on the first play of the fourth quarter. Tight end, Vanette goes in motion for Seattle. Shotgun snap and a high one. Caught by Wilson, rolls out to the right, looks Uh back to the left, Uh throws it deep down the middle of the field and is caught at the seven-yard line. And running it in for the score is Tyler Lockett. How many times have we seen that? Tyler Lockett, first and 20. That 44-yard grab was Lockett's only catch and gave Seattle a 21-17 lead. The Bengals answered with a 13-play drive that chewed up nearly eight minutes. But after having first and goal at the four-yard line, a holding penalty and a sack forced the Bengals to settle for a Bullock field goal that pulled Cincinnati within one. It was the third time in three tries that the Bengals drove into the red zone and failed to score a touchdown. Here's Andy Dalton. A couple opportunities, we were down there and we weren't able to get it done. The unfortunate fumble on the ball slipping out of my hand, you know, we had an opportunity there. And then, um, you know, in the fourth quarter when we were down there, we had to settle for the field goal. So um, you can look at those things right there and say, man, if we can just get one touchdown there, that changes the game. The Bengals' defense forced a three and out. They're sixth of the game to get the offense the ball back. And with three and a half minutes to go, Zach Taylor faced a tough decision. Go for it. On fourth and seven at his own 44, or punt, pin the Seahawks deep in their own territory 
and try to get one more three and out on defense. Zach chose to punt, and Seattle was able to pick up a first down with three straight running plays to basically put the game away. The final score, 21-20 Seattle. Here are Tyler Eifert, Sam Hubbard, and Andy Dalton on dominating the stats, but losing on the scoreboard. I thought we went out there and uh, executed the game plan pretty well, and uh, we, you know, both sides of the ball played extremely hard. Um, defense came up with a lot of big plays, and you know, just down there in the in the red zone, we just got to find a way to to uh, punch it in. But uh, you know, there's a lot of good things to take away from the game. Um, obviously, disappointed that we didn't find a way to get it done. That's it. That's what. Um, good teams need to do is, is find a way in the end to uh, find a way to win. Yeah, I was really proud of the way uh, we fought on both sides of the ball, and that's just life in the NFL, you know. comes down to one or two big plays, one or two points, one or two stops, and uh, I just think this is a great, uh, you know, place to build from, you know. You know, if we fight like that for 16 games, we're going to fo- win a lot of football games, and uh, you know, I'm, all I can say is proud of the way we fought, but that's Obviously, disappointing loss. You know, there's a lot of things that we that we did well today. You know, it's one of those. It's unfortunate to leave this game with a loss because we, you know, we fought till the very end. We, you know, we played really hard on, um, you know, in all phases of the game. But um, definitely something to build on. It was a close one, and uh, you know, for us, we weren't able to make the one play that was going to get us over the top for today. Zach Taylor's team is 0-1. The Bengals' new head coach spent three minutes with Dave Lapham in the locker room after the game. I'm disappointed that we lost. I'm not disappointed with the way our guys played. They fought their tails off and really in all three phases, just proud of the way they fought. On the road, that kind of environment, the adversity, it's raining, it's loud, and really thought they responded well. But you're right, in the red zone, we didn't come in with enough points. And um, when you're on the road against a great team like this, who's been one of the premier organizations over the last decade, you got to score the points that you got a chance with and didn't get it done. The handling of the noise, the, your, your silent count, Unbelievable, the poison. You got them to jump one time. No, never did it ever affect you guys in terms of lost yards, penalty. It was incredible to watch that whole thing unfold. Proud of those guys. I really thought both sides up front, offense and defensive lines, played their tails off. That, that was a good front we played against on offense. So David Arcani is a, a, a maniac, and our guys just fought their tails off. And defensively, put pressure on the quarterback all night. Came up with four sacks. Secondary is covering their tails off. Linebackers are playing great. Um, it's one of the games you expect. It's going to be a dirty game. You just got to make a play to win it. Unfortunately, we didn't get it done. I think Tyler Lockett only made one play. It was a big play, but I mean, did a good job of minimizing him other than that one big long ball. Yeah, when you, when you face Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, they're going to make a big play at some point. I haven't seen many teams shut that out yet. And so you just got to be able to weather that storm. And our guys did. We know there was going to be adversity in this game. They give up a play. We were still in position to win the game at the end. And proud of the way that our guys responded. In the second quarter, they scored twice. You come back and you score two touchdowns in less than two minutes. I mean, you score one time with 47 seconds, another time like a minute and a half. I mean, boom, boom, the answer. And then when you had a struggle, the defense would shut them down, no points a lot. I'm thinking, man, both sides have each other's back here. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was just a well-fought game. And our guys never got down. They, they would score and, and we'd go make a big play on offense. We'd get stopped and our defense would go out there and respond with a great play. And, and again, that's, just, that's what we expect all year from these guys. So something to obviously a lot of things to build on here. I mean, what was what was your message to the team in the locker room? Uh, obviously, you probably had some despondent guys landing on the line like they did. We're going to win a lot of games if we fight like that every week. And to come on the road and overcome adversity like we did, 
uh, couldn't be prouder of him. And and we're going to win a lot of games playing football like this. Honestly, I haven't seen Russell Wilson be as kind of. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that he was gun shy, but I, I'm saying disconcerted. You know, I mean, he 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 was a little bit on his heels. And you don't usually see Russell Wilson like that. I, I you know, it's. I just thought our defense did a great job applying pressure, and that's all we can ask of him. Five down lineman coach that had him a little bit buffaloed for a while. You guys. Game plan wise, you put it together big time. I thought the five down linemen, I thought your screen package offensively was big time. I'm really proud of our coaching staff. They got these guys ready to play, and, and we knew it was going to come down to the last drive. Like I said, we didn't get it done, but couldn't be prouder of the coaches in all three phases of, of the plans they put together. Coach came literally within one play of, you know, shutting some people up and shocking a lot of people. And uh, it, I know that, and that's not the reason you play the football games. You play the football games to win football game. But man, like you said, the effort can't be questioned. That's a great sign. That is. That's that's. Uh, unfortunately, we wanted to be one and zero instead of zero and one, but we got a chance to come back next week and redeem ourselves. The Bengals finished with 429 yards of offense to only 233 for Seattle. That means they outgained the Seahawks by 196 yards and lost. The stat doctor, Dr. Richard Weiner, tells me there have only been two games in Bengals history where they outgained the opponent by more than 196 yards and lost. In 87, they outgained Houston by 277 and lost. And in 78, they outgained Oakland by 247 and dropped one to the Raiders. Now time for post-game analysis, and I started my conversation with Lap by talking about the statistical dominance in an L. The NFL can be heartbreaking, and this one was exactly that. You know, if the games are decided by yards, it's a blowout. But it's decided by points, unfortunately, and uh, the Bengals uh, just didn't make enough plays in the red zone. I mean, they got there a few times and get stopped on downs, no points. Fumble, ball goes out of Andy Dalton's hands, no points. You know, missed a 45-yard field goal. Those are those are the kind of things that, in a one-point game, you just can't give opportunities away like that. And, you know, uh, Wilson and Lockett, their big play all over them, only made one play, but it was a huge play. I mean, it's a touchdown pass to put them in the lead for good, and, you know, Unfortunately, a mistake is made, and they capitalize. So, there are a lot of things to build on, though. You know, I, I liked the way that the uh, resiliency that showed. Offense, defense had each other's back. You know, the offense, defense would would allow Seattle to score. Offense come right back in the second quarter and score twice. Once in 45 seconds. Once in a little over a minute. I mean, it was crazy. Come right down the field with big plays and score. And even when they scored the uh, Lockett's touchdown, they went right down the field again and settled for a field goal in the red zone, but they did score points, so they would always respond. I liked that response when the offense had problems or special teams had problems and the defense on a short field, they held it to nothing. So, you know, each unit's kind of supporting each other, and, and you can build something from that, but uh, obviously, you know, bitterly disappointing. They had a really good game plan. The five uh, defensive linemen package caused some issues to the Seattle Seahawks, there's no question about it. And, you know, you just you just wish that uh, could have held on and, and win a game would have shocked the NFL. That would have shocked the NFL world for sure. Andy Dalton completed 35 passes. That's a career high. He threw for more than 400 yards for the first time in his NFL career, but the running game wasn't there. Averaging about two yards per carry, was that strictly Seattle's defensive approach? I think, I think that's a big part of it. And as a result of that, they really took advantage of him in the screen game. You know, of the 400 yards, I'd say 100-plus was probably in the screen game, uh, somewhere in that range. I'd say at least 100, 
you know, Geo had 35 or whatever it was on one screen, and I know there were tight end screens or other screens, so I, I feel pretty confident it was at least 100 yards. So to me, you know, it's a short pass. You got offensive linemen out in front blocking. It's kind of a hybrid, you know, uh, run slash pass kind of thing. And uh, I think it's because of the, what they were doing to stop the run, the, they were vulnerable to the screen, and the Bengals took big advantage of them in that screen pass uh, package. So that's something that other teams are going to look at, and Seattle's going to have to make adjustments on. But Seattle's going to do what they do. I don't think they're going to worry about it. They're still going to play defense the way they play it. But I was really impressed with Zach's game plan. I was really impressed with uh, Lou's game plan on the defensive side of things. And, um, you know, guys played so hard. Carlos played hard. Sam Hubbard was a a maniac out there. His hair was on fire. He was all over the football field. A lot of guys played tremendous effort, and I think that's the thing as you look forward. The effort that they gave today is going to lead to a lot of lot of wins for them. I mean, if they go out there and play as hard as they played on this football field today, they're going to win games. Ten tackles, two sacks for Sam Hubbard. Let's talk about John Ross back in the city where he played his college football. Seven catches, 158 yards, more than 100 better than his previous career high for yardage. It was the full John Ross experience. He had a couple of drops, including one that would have been a huge gain, but he gives that he gives the Bengals that big play weapon that they were seeking when they drafted him number nine overall. He ran that shallow cross, and a couple of Seahawks picked each other off. And if he catches it, he may turn it upfield and score. If not, definitely in field goal range. But the very next play, he comes back, and Andy Ross goes deep to him, and he, he beats the safety in a safety place at Portly. But John Ross takes advantage of it. They score a touchdown. So I remember distinctly saying, uh, asking Zach Taylor at the end of last week, you know, what's the one thing that's, that's uh, there's unconditionally you have to have in, in a football player to, to play for Zach Taylor? He said mental toughness. So, you know, John Ross showed some mental toughness. He could have moped, pouted, you know, groused about dropping that pass. He didn't. He came right back and scored. And then from that drop pass on, he just continued to show confidence and, and build his game. So hopefully that's a good sign of things to come. It's pro football. They're getting paid. There are no moral victories. But to come to Seattle in the first game of Zag Taylor's coaching tenure, outplay the Seahawks for the most part, and play him to a one-point game, I think the Bengals ought to come back with a lot of confidence from this. Do you agree? I really do agree, and, and I was duly impressed with how the offense and offensive line in particular handled the silent snap count. You know, when we were doing radio together this week, I said, you know, I, I, I think that Seattle, they're going to get Seattle once, and I don't think they're going to jump. They're not going to have any penalties. Out. They had none. They were clean, and they did get Clowney to jump, although I think Tyler Boyd, and it, was, it was a little bit, a bit debatable, but I, I, I was unbelievably impressed because it was a din in here you, you could look at look next to your teammate and just see mine you know mouth moving no sound and guys handled it and handled it unbelievably well so I think that's another thing I, I, they're not going to go into loud stadium than this on the road and they've got this under their belt they worked on it so hard beginning of training camp it started in meeting rooms in the cafeteria on the football field that's all they were doing because they know they were playing the Seattle Seahawks and the crowd noise out here and it was amazing what they got done. Up next for the Bengals, the home opener as they host the 49ers on Sunday at 1 o'clock. We want to remind you that you can hang out with Lap and me and meet Bengals players at our radio shows this week. On Wednesday night from 6 to 8, we'll be at Game On, a sports tavern on Cheviot Road for the Bengals Game Plan Show. And we expect to have Sam Hubbard joining us for one hour. Then on Friday afternoon from 3 to 6, we'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings in Mason, just down the road from Kings Island, for the Bengals Pep Rally Show. 
a player will join us in the final hour, and we usually know who it is, by Wednesday. Hope to see you on Wednesday or Friday, or both. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment. I've done several over the years with Bengals President Mike Brown and always find our conversations really enjoyable. I think you will, too. Time for another round of Fun Facts with Bengals President Mike Brown. Your father loved golf. As far as I know, you never have really played. Why not? I think uh, golf skips generations. <laughs> at least it did in our family. My kids, uh, Katie, she loves playing golf. Troy's a good golfer. Uh, Paul, he played for a while and said no mas. Hmm. Uh, they used to torture him, Troy and Katie, because I guess his swing wasn't just right. Uh, he went on to other things. But uh, it's a uh, wonderful activity for people. Uh, in old age or middle age, it's especially good. I wish uh, for that reason that I had uh, stayed with it. I played when I was very young, but uh, uh, I'm probably one of those guys who never broke a 100 or whatever, and, <laughs> and so I went on to other things. Mike, if my math is correct, you were 10 years old when your father became the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. And for the next 10 years, the Browns advanced to the championship game of their league every single year. So between the ages of 10 and 20, basically, your team was playing for a championship. Can you describe those years from the perspective of somebody who is 10 to 20 years old? For me, uh, it got to be the expected thing. Our team was good. It was at the cutting edge. Uh, the team had great players ran off a wonderful record, one that uh, I'm proud of to this day. And uh, I, I think back in those days, and when the day came that we lost in the championship game, I remember my high school basketball coach uh, telling me the next day that the sun would come up mm -hmm. and uh, I should just uh, uh, bear up under the disappointment. But those were great teams, great times, great memories. In your mind, and this is a difficult question, what were your father's greatest qualities as a head coach? Oh, he was one of those guys who could cut to the uh, core of an issue faster than other people. He just had a mind that worked that way. And uh, he was imaginative it wasn't uh, uh, something that uh, he wore you out with. Uh, just, why shouldn't we do it this way? Uh, and uh, th so they did. And there are all sorts of examples, uh, from the face mask to the uh, radio and the helmet uh, to, uh, well, the draw play. That was always a favorite story of mine. The Browns played a game, and Otto Graham, the quarterback, ran into Marion Motley as he came back to throw the ball. I think Motley ran the wrong play. And the ball popped out of Otto's hands. And Marion looked up and snatched it. And then he looked and saw an opening. And he ran through the opening. And the next day, uh, my father, with his coaching staff, looked at the play on the movies. of the. Uh, that's how they did it then and said, you know, I think this might work as a regular play. 
and so they modified it some, and that's how the draw play came into pro mm-hmm. football. He could see things, uh, make something out of it, and uh, uh, organize it so it worked. It, it was just a gift he had. You have never pulled the plug quickly on your coaches. Does that have anything to do with the way things ended in Cleveland? Well, it does. Uh, I uh, experienced what that means to my father, and I'm sensitive to it. These are uh, human beings that put their lives into this endeavor, and then when you go tell them that uh, it isn't working, uh, that's hard on them. It's hard on their families. Uh, it it um, can be cruel. And uh, if you have to do it, fine. But don't do it any more often than necessary. One of the many things I enjoy during the season is Sunday morning breakfast on the day of a road game. It's you, your good friend, Jack Schiff, usually Katie and Troy are there, and Dave Lapham. And it has evolved into the Dave Lapham story hour. <laughs> do you marvel at his storytelling as much as I do? Uh, why else do I go to breakfast at uh, 6.30 a.m.? Huh? Uh, Dave is wonderful. And uh, you're pretty good, too. Don't downgrade yourself. But we go there and, and have a delightful time. It, it, uh, it's too bad they don't uh, have a radio program. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Because the conversation just flows. I'm not sure all of it would be suitable for the air. But uh, (laughs) it's good times, and uh, I've always looked forward to that. We're doing Fun Facts with Mike Brown. Over the years, I've asked you about some pivotal games in Bengals history, the Freezer Bowl, the two Super Bowl appearances, etc. I'd like you to reminisce about a few other games today. December 1989, Bengals 61 Oilers 7, the day that Sam Weish ran up the score on Jerry Glanville, including a field goal with 21 seconds to go. Uh, That was Sam. Uh, Sam and Jerry uh, had sort of an aversion for each other. (laughs) And uh, it came to be that uh, we had the dominant team, and Sam chose to... um, rub it in. That was his way of uh, giving it to Jerry. Uh, Personally, uh, I'm not for that kind of thing. I I, I think it was uh, wrong, but it was so long ago that I had forgotten it, and I'm sorry that you had. (laughs) (laughs) November 1975, Monday Night Football's first visit to Cincinnati, a showdown between Ken Anderson and O.J. Simpson. Ken passed for 447 yards. O.J. ran for 197 on 17 carries. The Bengals win the game 33-24. to It really was a great game. Uh, uh, Kenny Anderson's uh, arm lasted longer than O.J.'s legs, uh, but uh, they just ran one play, 16-18. It was an outside play. If uh, you gave them the uh, inside, they took it. If you gave them the outside, they took it. And uh, they knew how to block it no matter what you did, and they were good at it. But he was a great runner. Yes, there's all this history. It uh, is enough to fill volumes about O.J. Simpson. But during the day when he was a player, he was a great player. And that game went back and forth. We couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop us. 
uh, OJ wore down, uh, we could keep going, and we managed to win barely. What did you think of Howard Cosell? I have a strange thing to say about Howard Cosell. Uh, one time there was a conference of uh, newspaper editors in Cincinnati, and Howard Cosell was the speaker. And somehow, I wonder why, I got on the program too for a modest comment or two before he did the main talk. And uh, I remember I, I was probably sweating through my shirt in anxiety. <laughs> and and uh, I went up and I did my bit. And he was very kind after I had stumbled through whatever it was that I was talking about. Uh, he just said something kind to me. Mm. And that wasn't the Howard Cosell the world remembers when they talk about Howard Cosell. But that's my memory of Howard Cosell. And it has always uh, been part of how I think about him. Mm. September 1968. First home games in Bengals history and first win in Bengals history. 24-10 over Denver in front of 25,000 fans at Nippert Stadium. We started out in Nippert Stadium, and uh, it was uh, really quite exciting. I I, uh, would have to tell you some of those games have melded together over the years. But I have fond memories of the games we played out there. The way they handled uh, the new teams back then was to make it as difficult <laughs> on them as possible. We didn't have the players. We would go out and fight and scrap and occasionally we would run into a team that we could manage to hold our own. We came on quickly as a team. We were in the uh, playoffs in our third year, which at that time was uh, a world's record. Uh, again, you had to start without the allocation of players that subsequent expansion teams received. And uh, I've always uh, remembered those years fondly. I think we were a well-coached team. We just had players that had to get up to it. And by our third year, we had enough that uh, we could manage. It was fun. Final thing, you're getting ready to start a new season with a new head coach. What about Zach Taylor impresses you? He's a bright young guy. Uh, He's dedicated to coaching. He uh, is uh, offensive-oriented. I like that. I uh, think my father was that way. Uh, I uh, have never been a coach, but I like to think in those terms and Uh, I focus on the offense first and foremost, too. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if uh, we can get things together and be the kind of team we want to be. We'll see how quickly that can come about. But I I think Zach has the right ingredients. I always enjoy these conversations. Thank you so much for your time. Well, uh, it reminds me of... Sunday breakfast. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be here, too. We need Lapham. <laughs> Mike is absolutely right. If we could turn those Sunday breakfasts where he and Lap share stories about Bengals history into a radio show, it would be a huge hit. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. And if you have a minute, please give it a rating or leave a comment. Those five-star ratings help more Bengals fans 
find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde. Thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.